You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Tom and I met at the University of Delaware through a mutual friend in 1993. No, 83. 83, sorry. <laughs> 83. Lost a decade. <laughs> I was a senior. We had a mutual friend on campus. He was four years older. Tom came to the campus to go to a Christian group on campus. And our mutual friend introduced us. So uh, uh, we met, fell in love hard and fast, <laughs> fell in love hard and fast as I was a senior at the University of Delaware. He is from New York City, born and raised New York City. I was born and raised in the cornfields of Pennsylvania. So it truly was a city boy meets a country girl. And of course, that's how God works. You know, he brings complete opposites together. So he was a city boy, I was a country girl, but we fell in love. And um, I think we have a wedding picture of us. Do we have a wedding picture? Oh, there we are. <laughs> um, I like to say Tom's hair would grow out. It didn't grow down, it, it just grew out. <laughs> the definition of the wave. The wave, yes. We have three children. Our two older children are married to wonderful spouses. We love, uh, we love our in-law children very much. And our two older children have given us four grandchildren, a five-year-old, two two-year-olds, and a one-year-old. So that's a lot of fun, <laughs> two-year-olds. Yeah, so that's a little bit more about us. And I'm going to turn it over to Tom, and he's going to tell you a little bit about his testimony, and then I will be back. <laughs> right, New York City, uh, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, never lived in an actual house until after we got married, apartments after apartment. And uh, my parents were nominal Catholics. I don't ever remember my mother setting foot in a church. The only reason my dad went to church was to hear me sing because I was in a boys' choir from fourth grade through eighth grade and a, and a very well-known St. Pancras Boys' Choir in Queens, New York. We sang all over the city. We had albums. We did other stuff. So the gift that God had given me showed up kind of early um, with the vocal. That is, I think it's a gift. Anyway, so, um, so I was raised in a Catholic school. I went to Catholic elementary school up through eighth grade. Uh, in eighth grade, I um, decided, uh, probably seventh grade actually, I wanted to be an engineer. I was into science fiction. I loved to read. Um, I loved to take things apart and occasionally put them back together. Um, so I was on that track. So then I went to Brooklyn Technical High School, which is one of the few um, schools you have to get a, you have to pass a test to get into in New York at high school. So that was my track. And then I went to an engineering school in upstate New York, uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, otherwise known as RPI, um, similar to MIT. 
And uh, at that school, I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. I wanted to be a, a rocket scientist, actually. And so I was on that track until I got in the courses. <laughs> realized how hard it was to be a rocket scientist and realized that I was more hands-on than theoretical. Uh, when I had one math class that was completely in imaginary numbers, I realized this is not for me. So I switched to civil engineering and at the same time became interested in outside things because I was getting disillusioned with school in general. And in that area of uh, upstate New York near Albany was a, um, an organization, a multi-level marketing organization, which some of you may remember, um, called Amway. Right? They're still around. They're still around. They've morphed into an internet catalog company, basically, with a similar structure. And all that get-rich-quick stuff kind of appealed to a 20-year-old boy who uh, was thinking, maybe I don't want to be an engineer. So I got involved as an Amway distributor, and part of their philosophy is um, um, positive mental attitude. I don't know if anybody, there's a bunch of books out there. And that's not a bad thing. Positive mental attitude is not a bad thing at all. It can help you in your life, all right? If you look at things positively as opposed to negatively, you'll do better in life. But I noticed something when I was reading these books is almost all the authors at some point in the book attributed their success to Almighty God. And that was new to me. That was something unusual. But I noticed this trend. And um, it started to affect me. And they have uh, weekends where you get together and they have pep rallies for their distributors to get out and sell stuff, right? So there was one at the Americana Hotel in Albany, a very nice big hotel. And part of the weekend is a chapel service on Sunday. And one of the very successful distributors was speaking there. Basically, he was preaching. And I was raised Catholic, so a service like this was foreign to me. All right? so, but I said, oh, I'll try. I'll go. Well, he was talking about normal people that God used to do extraordinary things. Uh, David, um, um, Samuel. But the one that got me was Gideon. He talked about Gideon, right, who was hiding. He was hiding from the uh, invading forces in a wine press. But God turned him around and he liberated the Israelite. He liberated his people later. And all of a sudden while he's speaking, can you picture a cartoon where a guy gets an idea and a light bulb goes off above his head? That's what happened to me. My mind did a flip. And all of a sudden, well, let me back up one step. <laughs> My father, who was also a nominal Catholic and only went to church to hear me sing, professed to be an atheist. And I actually liked my father more than I liked my mother. <laughs> she was a tough German lady. Um, so um, I respected him. And so at that time in high school and college, I considered myself an atheist. So going into the service, I'm thinking, I don't believe in God. But that my mind did a flip all at once. And all of a sudden, I realized Everything he just said was true. The Bible is true. God did come to save me, and God exists. So that was a junior year in college. I didn't stay in Amway long. <laughs> it really wasn't for me because you start seeing every person as a prospect, you know, and I didn't, I didn't like that. Your family, your friends, and all that. So I, I got out of that, and then I did eventually graduate and become an engineer. So. Um, but at school, there happened to be a fellowship that was patterned after InterVarsity. It was called Rensselaer Christian Community. 
And we, we would sing Maranatha music songs. I don't know if any of you saw that movie recently in California. That's where Maranatha music came from. That's what we use. We use their songbook. And we would sing for hours and praise God. And that was my, my uh, infancy as a Christian. And I got in a fellowship, a community. I was in a fraternity. I played football. As it turns out, some of my brothers were believers in the fraternity. They were praying for me, and I didn't know it. And that's part of the whole story. So that's how I got saved. <laughs> so, um, and one thing, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. God can use anything. He can use engineering school. He can use Amway. He can use a lot of stuff to get you saved. Uh, and you never know what, what the route's going to be. It's, you know, you just never know. But Jody's going to speak shortly. Share your life. Yes, yeah. Jody's going to speak shortly um, from a woman's perspective. Because of all the people that are in this series, she's the only woman. And so you're going to get a different perspective. But before I do, I want to just share one verse that recently became kind of a light verse for me. Uh, for husbands especially. All right, it's 1 James 19. All right. It says, quick to listen, slow to speak, <laughs> and slow to anger. <laughs> All right? This is for the husband. This is something that I struggle with. And she knows, like Jody calls me out on it. Sometimes I'm quick to speak. I should be slow to speak. I should listen and don't get angry. Okay? So, 1 James 19, or James 1.19, sorry. James 1.19. Remember that verse. Okay. Take your okay, thank you, dear. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I met Tom at the University of Delaware. Guess what? I also met the Lord at the University of Delaware. Freshman year, yes. I um, didn't know anyone. I was a little lonely. Uh, there were groups happening on campus. I got invited to a group, Campus Crusade for Christ. I think it's called Crew now. So very shakily, I went to this group. I enjoyed the time, and they had a comment card, would you like more information? And silly me checked yes. <laughs> so not long after that, I had a knock on my freshman door, the University of Delaware, and a gal came in and said, I have more information for you. <laughs> and we sat on my little single bed, like in that prison cell of a dorm room, you know. <laughs> Um, she read to me the four spiritual laws. It was a, a tract about spiritual, a spiritual tract. And she led me through it and said, now would you like to pray and accept the Lord? And me trying to be a pleaser, I said, okay, I will. <laughs> so I sat there on my bed and prayed after her a prayer of salvation. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I believe you are the Son of God. You died for me. Come be Lord of my life. And I wasn't quite sure really what I was praying, but I prayed it. And I, I said I took one baby step toward God, and he took a giant leap toward me. Uh, yes, and that was my freshman year. However, <laughs> however, I didn't really change right away. Um, Delaware. I was out to have some fun. I was a straight-A student my freshman year. Uh, Straight-A's, dean's list in all my courses. I realized, though, I was having no fun. <laughs> I was having no fun. So my sophomore year, I said, I'm going to have some fun this year. So I started going to some of the parties on campus. 
They're called keg parties. I mean, you know those. They, they would bring a big keg of beer and stick it in some woman in our woman's bathroom, and it would get all nasty and wet and muddy and yucky, but that's what we did. So uh, I did that for a year. However, I'll share a little later. I did change my ways about my junior year at Delaware. I, uh, I needed something more. I knew I needed more of God in my life. Amen. And so I tell a story, and I've told this on the stage before, the little table tents for uh, notices, group notices, little papers folded over. I went through the big, the main dining hall on campus, putting out table tent reminders for Campus Crusade for Christ meetings. And some of my friends looked at me and said, I didn't know you were into that, Jody. <laughs> I said, I had some splaining to do. <laughs> I changed my ways a little bit. So I went from the keg parties to the Christian meetings on campus. And that's where I met Tom one night at a Christian meeting in January. And we fell hard and fast in love, I like to say. Yeah, got to put my glasses on. So I, since I am the only female voice of this series. I'm, I'm honored to, to be here. I'm going to talk about some things that are very meaningful to me and I think maybe to a lot of you ladies. Marriage, motherhood, and the word of God. But don't tune out, man. It's for you too. Marriage, motherhood, and the word of God. I came across, when uh, at Delaware, I started reading my Bible. That was about 40 years ago. And I have read this word for 40 years since the University of Delaware. I just started reading my Bible. And my life verse, it truly has changed my life. It's impacted my life the most, is Deuteronomy 8.3. And guess what? Jesus quoted this verse in Matthew 4.4. It was his first speaking when he started his ministry. He had been tempted by the devil. He had been baptized, tempted, went up to the mountain, tempted by the devil. His first words were Matthew 4.4, 4, and he was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. And it goes like this, Deuteronomy 8.3. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand, and here it is, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. I have clung to that. God has used that, and I, I hope I get to show that to you as I continue on. Man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. I'll start with the word, and we'll end with the word. So um, back to marriage, <laughs> the fun part. <laughs> Tom and I have a lot of similarities. We both come from broken homes. His parents divorced when he was tw 10. Mine divorced while I was at the University of Delaware. I had a loving family, a brother, parents who loved me, grandparents who loved me. I never lacked for anything. We were financially secure. I went off to the University of Delaware, and my parents' marriage completely disintegrated. And it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, so Tom and I kind of have that in common. <laughs> Broken homes. Our fathers remarried. 
and our mothers did not. My father's 95, he's my best friend. He's on his third marriage. <laughs> I, I love him, <laughs> he's great. Um, I hear that, Mr. Bill. I heard them laughing over here. He's on his third marriage. Our mothers did not remarry. They were kind of angry and bitter. They stayed angry and bitter for many years after their divorce. We both started our Christian walk in college. We grew up watching and loving, you're going to laugh, Star Trek. <laughs> we loved Star Trek. He watched it. I watched it. We, loved, we still love Star Trek. I still watch it. Still watch it. <laughs> um, we love to bike, ski, kayak, dance. We're learning and loving pickleball. And then we love to land on the couch at night and watch TV. Can, I, can anyone relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> you land on the couch and watch TV. Um, we get along very well. I'd say that we're still best friends after 40 years together. He still makes me laugh. That's the best thing I like about him. When I met him, he had a good job and a lot of money. But I took care of that quickly. <laughs> he was an engineer for General Electric. He was making the money. We were traveling. But, <laughs> but things changed. <laughs> I don't have to worry about my money. I know where it goes. <laughs> um, I like to say, and I've said it from this stage, that Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I mean that sincerely. And I know most of you can say the same thing, too. Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to you. I like to tell, I like to tell Tom that I am the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> um, but all that is good, but early on in our marriage, early on I realized that we definitely had some major differences as well. And they brought some heartache, some disappointment, some unrealized expectations. We had some different expectations about relating in the relationship. And, and it was hard. Tom is a type A. He's an engineering analytical mind. His favorite term is just the facts. Just give me the facts. <laughs> He's very task oriented. He will get the job done. He's a bit of a perfectionist. Pastor Danny likes to say that a perfectionist takes great pains and gives them to others. Well, <laughs> so he's serious. He's the only child raised by a tough German mother. But he is a great provider. He's a great provider for his family. For me, our three children, our grandchildren, he's a great provider. Uh, now, me on my life approach... Most of you know me, a lot of you know me. I'm a little different. I'm fun-loving. I like to enjoy the journey. <laughs> I like to laugh. I like to joke and tease. I am more about emotional fulfillment along the way than getting the job done right and on time. <laughs> um, can anybody relate to that? <laughs> we got both sides maybe in here a little bit. Um, so I learned that my wonderful husband, really, um, I had some emotional needs, expectations that Tom really, just because of his personality and his upbringing, 
it was hard for him to fulfill all those needs that I thought I had emotionally and uh, whatever, you know, it was, there was some lack there and there was some heartache. There was some disappointment. There was some challenge and struggle. By the grace of God, by the grace of God, he drew me, he drew me into this living word. I turned that heartache, that grief, that unfulfilled desire in me, I turned to the word of God, and I have read and read, I have hungered and thirsted for the word and for the Lord, and he has filled me up. Uh, yes. <laughs> Not only is he my heavenly father, ladies, listen to this, all ladies, he is my heavenly husband as well. I don't care if you're single, married, widowed, divorced, you have a heavenly husband, a heavenly husband that you can turn to. He desires an intimate relationship with you. He desires to walk with you and talk with you and fill you up on the inside where a human relationship just can't do, can't do. I found some scriptures. Of course, you know, I said I turned to the word. My word is falling apart here. <laughs> One of my favorite scriptures I have read and reread and Fed, uh, fed on Isaiah 54, 5. Isaiah 54, 5. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called God of all the earth. Your husband is your maker. He's number one. He's number one. Your husband is your maker. Another scripture that meant so much to me, Isaiah, let's see, Isaiah 62. Let me find that one. Listen to this. Isaiah 62, 4 and 5. Well, I'll go to 3. You will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you forsaken, nor to your land will it any longer be said desolate. Here we go. But you will be called, my delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you. And to him, your land will be married. <laughs> it goes on to say in Isaiah 62, 5, I love this because I am a romantic. I love weddings. I love wedding dresses. I love it all. <laughs> it says, Isaiah 62, 5, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. I just claim that God rejoices over me. I'm his bride. He's my bridegroom. And he does the same for every one of us in this room. He rejoices over you like a beautiful bride, and he's our bridegroom. I encourage you to continue to develop that intimate love relationship with the Lord. I have a couple tips on how to do it. Just start saying, what do you say to someone who you are in an intimate relationship with? You say, I love you. I love you. I want to be with you. I desire you. I can't do a minute without you. I want you more and more. I think we sang a song about that. 
Tell God, just start telling him, I love you, God. Even if you don't really feel it, practice saying it. And that closeness, that intimacy will flow, I promise you. As you do this, more and more, you will experience what Ephesians 3.19 says. I love Ephesians 3.19. And you will know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Isn't that a good place to be? Filled up to all the fullness of God? I like to say, you can't get any more full than that. You cannot get any more full than filled up with God. Um, my next passion, that was marriage. <laughs> my next passion, motherhood. After five years of marriage, Tom and I dipped our toe in the parenthood, <laughs> parenthood uh, waters. And I've shared this many times from this stage. We became parents. God had a very funny answer to prayer. My friends know it well. I was pregnant. I, I like, I've said this many times. I prayed one prayer, one prayer while I was pregnant for a first time at 27 years old. <laughs> I said, God, make this baby big and strong and healthy. Big and strong and healthy. I prayed it over and over. Our first son, Tommy, was born, and he grew, has grown to be six foot nine, 260 pounds, and is healthy as a horse. So, watch what you pray for. Watch what you pray for. However, Tommy was also a handful, and I have dear friends, Holly and June, back here who helped me raise him, and Karen Tice, too. He was big. He was strong. <laughs> he was a bit of a bully. He was a bit hyperactive. He was a challenge. By this time, I was 27. I had a degree in nursing and social work. I had motherhood covered. I was going to sail through motherhood <laughs> until <laughs> this first baby came along and the Lord humbled me a bit. He humbled me a bit. We love our son. He's wonderful. He's happily married, has two beautiful children. He was tough, though. In those years of raising him, I had to dig deep, I like to say. Dig deep. And my friend Holly could tell story after story, because she helped me raise him, <laughs> um, to find strength, to find wisdom, to find energy and patience and endurance that I really didn't have. God used this really tough kiddo, guess what, to send me back to the Word. I had to go back to the Word every day to find strength and wisdom and energy and endurance to, to be a good parent to my, our wonderful son. Um, some of my favorite scriptures that I have, uh, have encouraged me over many years for my kids they are 34, 32, and 26. <laughs> Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4 is one of my favorite scriptures I have prayed time and time again for my children. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
and they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's, and that one will call on the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord, and will name Israel's name with honor. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And now I have descendants, I have four grandchildren, <laughs> and um, my blessing on your descendants. I'm praying that over my children, adult children, my grandchildren. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. Another one, another fun verse. <laughs> Pastor Danny teased me. He said I was going to stay in the Old Testament the whole time. And well, he's kind of right. <laughs> Zephaniah, of all things. Zephaniah 3.15 and 17. Zephaniah 3.15 and 17. It says, the king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. How many of you sometimes have needed a victorious warrior in your home, in relationships, in your marriage, with your kids? The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He is, I would pray, Lord, you are in the midst of my home. You are a victorious warrior in the midst of my home. And I saw prayers truly answered through that, uh, by that uh, scripture. Um, keep on a going. <laughs> I believe that motherhood and homemaking is a holy profession. I want to give a shout out to stay-at-home moms, especially. A shout out to stay-at-home moms. That's not easy. That's not an easy job. Motherhood and homemaking is a holy profession. I want to encourage you young moms and you older moms who are still feeding people in the kitchen, still making the meal, still doing the grocery shopping, still making a home. That is a holy profession. It is a holy ministry. I spent decades of my life making sure my kids were well-fed and cared for. It's hard work. I do admit that I had a tendency to wait on my children a bit. <laughs> I would, uh, feeding them was high priority in my life, in my home. I felt like when I was in my kitchen, I was in mission control, you know? I was, had everything under control, the, like you see in the Space Center, all the TV screens and the flips and knobs and switches. When I was in my kitchen, I was in mission control. Um, I, we do have a funny story. I say I waited on my kiddos. My son Jeffrey, God love him. He's 26, he's single. <laughs> He's cute. <laughs> um, one time, I, I would bring their lunch over in front of the TV, set them up on a TV table. I wanted them to have a nice lunch experience. So Jeffrey's about eight or nine, took out a Pop-Tart out of the box in the silver foil. I know I've shared this here before. Took the silver foil, didn't open it, and he set it on the kitchen counter and proceeded to walk across the house to the TV room. And as he was walking, he happened to say, now, Mom, I don't want that Pop-Tart toasted. 
<laughs> so I'm looking at the Pop-Tart in the foil on my kitchen counter. I'm thinking, I wonder what he wants me to do with it. <laughs> and I truly think I had trained him so he wanted me to take it out of the foil, put it on a plate, and carry it over to him. <laughs> He's a wonderful boy. Don't judge him. <laughs> but we do tease him about the Pop-Tart story. Um, yes, 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 yes. You know, we're coming to a close here. Do you know what God calls mothers in the word of God, in the word, in, in Psalms, in Psalm 127, 3 and 4? God has a special name for mothers. Here's Psalm 127, 3 and 4. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. God calls us parents God calls us mothers, especially, to be warriors. And I say, you say, how do we do that? I'm just going to, one simple way to do it, prayer warrior, prayer warrior. I know I have some friends back here who are amazing prayer warriors for their children. They could give amazing testimonies. Um, prayer warriors. I'm still praying for my adult children. I'm praying for their spouses. I'm praying for those grandkids. <laughs> the world is out to, to steal uh, the devil, the world. They want to uh, steal, kill, and destroy our family, our children. God has called us like arrows in the hand of a warrior. He calls each one of us to be a warrior in our family, prayer warriors in our family. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you for listening to my testimony about marriage, motherhood, and the Word of God. This Word uh, has changed my life. I encourage each and every one of you to get into that Word daily. Put away that phone. Turn off the TV. Get to a quiet spot. Open that word. Tom likes to listen to it on, uh, on the, through his phone. Yeah, the Bible, my version. I read it along while it's playing on the phone. So. <laughs> and uh, or get, a, get a, uh, a translation that you can relate to, one that's a modern language. I don't care how you do it. Get in that word. Because <laughs> man does not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Thank you, Miss Alicia. <laughs> and, and before I close, we have kind of a nifty little example of how that word, um, how that word works. It's a bit of a funny story. Tom and I are kayakers. We were kayaking in Fenwick Island. If any of you know that, behind the police station, there's a really nice ramp to go into the canals. <laughs> and we were, um, we were kayaking. I went down, easy. We wear our life vests. Tom has a really neat life vest. Have anybody seen a, a life, have any, have you seen a life vest like this? It's, it's really nifty. 
So I went into the water, smooth sailing, waiting for Tom to come in. He went in, he got a little tilted going down the ramp. And you know what that means. He kept tilting and tilting and flipped over. <laughs> now these life preservers work when they get wet. These tubes explode. They pop. What's the gas in there? The CO2 cartridge. CO2. So he's going into the water, going underwater, loses his hat, loses his glasses. I'm belly laughing in the water. All of a sudden, it's like two shots ring out. Boom! Boom! And I'm looking, and these, these uh, life tubes, flatters, flatters are, are filling up to his face, he can't breathe. <laughs> he's not drowning, he's choking. Because <laughs> these life vests are doing their job. He uh, paddled over to the ladder with these life vests up around his cheek like this. <laughs> and I said, he went down, but he did not drown. And that is the word of God. The word of God to me has kept my head, our head, above water for 40 years now. Our marriage, our relationship uh, it has kept us going for 40 years. That is what the Word of God does. It keeps your head afloat, keeps your life afloat in times of challenge, struggle, heartache, heartbreak. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.